Hi, I'm Nina Endurst. I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. On this episode, Anna and I discuss attachment. Take a seat, clear your mind, and let's chat. Hello, hello. Hopefully, we're doing it. We're really doing it. <laughs> I think so. We're talking about attachment. We are. I also was just talking about since like, you know, the internet wasn't really being cooperative earlier that I was like, oh, it sounds like it's working. Let's hope that it does. Y'all can't hope with us because we've already recorded this. Let's hope. So. Attachment. We have many definitions, right? Or just one? I, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. Ish. I went to Encyclopedia Britannica for a little bit of a change. Attachment theory. In, well, part of why, though, I did go to Encyclopedia Britannica is one, I knew the dictionary was going to be like attachment is like when things are together, you know, or something like that. I didn't even look it up, but did also want the psychological. And I also didn't want it from someone who learned about attachment theory from their therapist and has now built a brand around it. So that's why I went to the good old fashioned encyclopedia. That's also how you know I'm old. But attachment theory in developmental psychology, the theory that humans are born with a need to form a close emotional bond with a caregiver and that such a bond will develop during the first six months of a child's life if the caregiver is appropriately responsive. Developed by British psychologist John Bowlby, I would guess. Um, B-O-W-L-B for, I don't know, all you British psychologists uh, heads out there. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I know there's many of you. Don't don't at me. Yeah. <laughs> all five of you raising your hands. The theory focused on the experience, expression, and regulation of emotions at both species normative and individual person-specific levels of analysis. Bowlby believed that the attachment system as he and others called called it serve two primary functions to protect vulnerable individuals from potential threats or harm and to regulate negative emotions following threatening or harmful events. The normative component component of attachment theory identifies the stimuli and context that normally evoke and terminate different kinds of emotions as well as the sequence of emotions usually experienced uh, following certain relational events. The individual difference component addresses how people's personal histories of receiving care and support from attachment figures shape their goals, working models, interpersonal attitudes, expectations, and cognitive schemas, and coping strategies when emotion eliciting events in relationship occur. Oof. I That's a lot. thankfully got to, oh, well, okay. So then attachment styles, there are four. There is anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, disorganized attachment, and secure attachment. And then I looked at, where is, okay, so then... Uh, research on Bowlby's theory of attachment show that infants placed in an unfamiliar situation and separated from their parents will generally re- react in one of three ways upon reunion with the parents. One, secure attachment. These infants showed distress upon separation but sought comfort and were easily comforted when the parents returned. Two, anxious resistant attachment. A smaller portion of infants experience greater levels of distress and upon reuniting with the parents seem to seek both comfort and to attempt to punish the parents for leaving. Three, avoidant attachment. Infants in the third category showed no stress or minimal stress upon separation from the parents and either ignored the parents upon re- reuniting <laughs> or actively avoided the parents. I think those were cats. 
I think those were cats that were left, not infants. I love that. I don't know. They were like, I don't know her. <laughs> like, she left me. They were like, I just like. I don't know. That was probably me. <laughs> I just like the idea of these, like, bitchy infants being like, oh, you left? Well, now you're dead to me. <laughs> like, Yeah, like, flip it, like flipping the hair. Totally. totally. Whatever. <laughs> um, in, hope you had fun. Yeah, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> in later years, researchers added a fourth attachment saw to this list, the disorganized, disoriented attachment attachment style, which refers to children who have no predictable pattern of attachment behaviors. I thought that was really interesting in terms of sort of like how it, you know, like how they kind of, they, you know, broke it down and things like that. And the different, like, I I think it is so interesting just to think of it as, I don't know, I think it still just blows my mind that this starts so young. Like I had therapy last night and had a good old mental breakdown in preparation for this episode, which is really great. You know, <laughs> loving that for me. <laughs> yeah. Loving that for you too. I mean, it was good. It's necessary, whatever. I mean, sometimes you like know when shit's going to pop off in therapy and other times you don't. And this was someone, I don't know. I think I, in a way kind of knew I was probably brewing from, for some realizations. Cause I don't know. You can kind of see when that's on the horizon, I think. But I was asking her, I was like, it's just so crazy. I said, you know, when I did the quiz, I said, I felt a little, I was like, I felt, I was upset. I was like, I wasn't upset. Uh, So I'll reveal mine. I was anxious, which I was anxious, preoccupied, which didn't surprise me at all. I did not think I was going to like be secure. I didn't. But something about the way we, and we, Nina and I did our, our little tests. Uh, I almost said we did our little testies and was like, <laughs> oh no. But then I had to tell myself anyway. We did it at the attachment project and they do, I think, a good job of explaining things. But it, it's also like, you know, really honest. And it's, I mean, kind of, I think, hard to hear in a way like I know for me what was hard about reading my own little report was I'm looking through my the whole little thing it's like they almost give you too much information oh this but he was well it essentially was just sort of saying that there was that you uh, that my like my parents maybe had tried you know to meet my needs and and all that sort of stuff, but weren't able to understand or how to do it, and so that also triggered you know for my type to like essentially work harder and all this stuff, and I was just like, oh my god, there's just a lot of this that I agree with, and for secure is 59% of adults per one large nationally representative study and anxious preoccupied I was surprised is 11% of American adults I was shocked at how high the secure was and I was shocked that I got that I wasn't shocked. at all I was not you weren't? at all no Mm-mm. what yeah I wasn't I mean that, not even because you're married. I, I mean, if you think that's no, a factor. Of not. Uh, no, 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 I mean, I don't. Uh, well, Christine and I hashed it out last night, and I was like, I didn't think that Nina was going to be. I was like, I'm not upset because Nina's secure, and I'm not, by the way. And she's <laughs> like, I don't think you are. And I was like, and I don't think Nina's <gasps> secure because she's married. She's like, I don't think you do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I just want to be clear. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god! I re- <laughs> if I had taken this quiz like ten years ago, though, that is something I was reading or listening to in the att- um, attached book. What? Who is that by? Hang on one second. We'll put it in the notes, but I have it right here. Attached by blah 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 by Amir uh, Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. What? But they were saying that it can and does change. Yes. So that's great news, and. I, it definitely made me feel good that I've obviously because I answered everything very honestly. Same. So much of mine I laughed about though were like I I chose a lot of neutral, which I think was kind on my part, but it was honest. Like I I felt I did feel neutral on more things than I thought I would, which I think was a part of the 
the results. But yeah, I, I, I'm happy to hear and know that things can change because obviously we know that, but especially with this stuff, I think quizzes I take with a grain of salt, but something has shifted and it's nice to see that on paper. I'm you laughing because like as I was weeping in therapy last night, I was like, I'm not crying because of an internet test. Okay. And she's like, again, I know. I was like, oh my four God. years ago I did this test and I was secure. She's like, I know. I remember you oh, telling me. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, I was. Isn't wait, that interesting? So, that is interesting. So what do you think shifted? Honesty or yeah, what? maybe. Yeah. You know, I think it's like, I, I think something too I'm realizing is my perfectionism runs much deeper than I've probably been willing to realize, which has covered up a lot, you know? And I think that a lot of things, I think part of why seeing the results and like reading what, you know, being anxious, like, you know, like some of the stuff that comes with it. And I mean, like, I'll, <laughs> I'm like, I'll be honest. I don't care. Like as if y- y'all are like, you know, forcing me to, or something. I'm like, I'll read it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but it's like, you may, tell me I won't. Yeah. <laughs> you may feel as though you're less than others. The low sense of self-esteem associated with the anxious attachment style often results in feelings of not being good enough. Yeah. A thousand percent. Do you know how much of my life and therapy, healing, being a fucking tarot reader, the amount of my life that has been occupied by trying to heal that. And I think, and so when I was talking to my therapist, I was like, it's so confusing because I'm like, I don't think I have low self-esteem. You know, I don't think I have these things, but I would be lying if I didn't say that I grapple with these things, you know, like, and, and it was funny. I brought you up. I said, I've seen so much of this play out with my partnership with Nina of like where she doesn't doubt herself and where I do like it's a huge place you and I diverge you know and I'm like and this makes so much sense to me like you are more secure than I am you know like in that regard and Mm. so when I was talking to my therapist about it she's like a lot of this stuff for you was put into place probably by 18 months old like that's just what we know now at this point you know firmly in place by four years old you know and I was and I'm like that's just so mind-boggling you know and I was like what makes me upset is I've spent so much time energy money because like let's talk about that money is a huge factor in healing anything you know what yeah. getting access to anything so that I was like and I'm still I'm 42 years old and I'm still fucking here you know and she was like I, I feel that I get that you know but um she's like the best thing about attachment wounds and I was like mm, this is gonna be a hard sell for you Christina what is the <laughs> best thing of attachment wounds is she's like, they can be healed. They absolutely can be healed and repaired. And I think I offer that up to myself as much as I do to any of y'all listening. Because I do think there's so much out there about attachment. There's so much on the internet. There's so much on social media. It's very trendy. I don't hear people talking so much about how you heal it I hear a lot of people just talking about what their attachment style is and what maybe that does for them and so I said was saying that you know to my therapist and I was like I have this very physical reaction sometimes to like when someone is trying to connect with me and and that's when and I made her text it to me because I was like "I'm, I'm gonna forget this and she said and she was like, tell me about it. What happens? Da, 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 da. And she goes, it's not so much relationships, love or all that stuff that freaks you out. It's con- connection because the people you trusted to keep you safe and alive were the people that unintentionally 
unintentionally slash intentionally harmed you. So you internalize connection as not being safe. So she's like, when you're leading it, when you're going out in the world or you're on Instagram or you're, you know, emailing someone and saying like, I think you're cool or whatever. She's like, you have no problems because you're leading the charge in terms of connection. She's like, it's when someone comes at you, you're having that knee jerk reaction that you've kind of never known life without. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's when I fully lost it. And, and then, and I was like, I, I feel like you've just like handed me this key that, that like unlocks my life in, in, in this big way. Cause it, it felt like such a, um, you know, it's like so crazy sometimes when you read it or I'm like reading back or text and I'm like, I don't know how to put into context for anyone, like how revelatory that was or helpful. And I was like, okay, cool. What do I do about it? And she's like, well, you just have to ask yourself sometimes when that happens, when you feel that feeling, when you feel that knee jerk reaction, when you feel that like fear or whatever, you have to just ask yourself, like, is this a time that I need to be protective or do I need to open my heart and lean full heart in? And I was like, I don't like that, but okay. You know, how did your parents hurt you? Big question. Oh my God. How, how did they lose your trust? And what was the first time? Like, when do you remember that happening for the first time? Not that it didn't sit in your body before that, but. I don't know they ever really had it. I mean, honestly, like, I, I mean, it, it's like, I think what makes me so sad now is it's like this comedy of errors in so many ways. You know, my mom it was was 28 when she had me. She didn't really even like go into therapy at all until like her 30s. And so it's like there was a lot of like benign neglect, a lot of emotional neglect and it and it yeah. wasn't intentional my also too my dad not present at all like both he's very much being the 80s executive you know father working a lot kids are the are the mother's domain very I didn't think of it as patri- it didn't it, I guess it was patriarchal I mean it absolutely was patriarchal my mom was like a stay-at-home um, you know mom blah 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 but like it was just like the he so he and he was a high functioning alcoholic so he like he's not really present and then my mom talks about when my brother and I were young as the happiest time of her life which is like also baffling you know because I don't know it's like Something I think about when I was a kid is just sort of like anytime my brother and I were like people or children in a way, like, you know, if we spilled ice cream or like my brother, you know, like broke a window playing, you know, baseball or what it's like, everything was always a big deal. Like there was no, uh, there was no coping skills, really. There was no, and like emotions were absolutely not really taken care of or met. And my mom was really, I think my mom was so overwhelmed and was so focused on the the work of motherhood of the like everything will be homemade you know all they will always be like dressed well and look presentable in public like and not just like because of other people's opinions or anything like that like she I, I see it with her still today like the stuff she'll get on me about like she's very I guess like all of the stuff that's very rational linear you know like all of that sort intellectualized you know all of that but and like and not to say like when I was an infant do I think if I I lay there just crying for hours no but do I I think that's important to talk about because like that didn't happen yeah like I don't I don't know if it doesn't have yeah well right but I think my mom like I I think between both my I mean my dad had so much fucking trauma that like like, I'm not like trying to let him off the hook, but I'm just sort of trying to make clear of like who we were dealing with, you know? And then my mom, I think, 
just, I mean, like, you still have given me my favorite line of, like, did your mom, like, go through a war? You know, like, (laughs) I I don't think she had any idea of, like, how to comfort or how to, like, really tend to any of the emotional needs. I mean, I've had to teach her as an adult how to tend to her emotional needs. So I know for a fact she was not tending to mine, like, as a toddler. You know, like, when this stuff is key, I don't believe it was happening. Yeah, and something happened today with Milo. It's been happening a lot lately lately where he's like he thinks that I he's like okay, so he peed on the floor by accident, which I was like <laughs> no no big deal, that thing flies everywhere, you know? And <laughs> it's also just funny. Like I I sometimes I really do love to hear like what mom problems are and it's like, well, today we had some pee on the floor. Yeah, be on the floor situation, and I and he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so so sorry. I'm like, honey, it's okay. It's fascinating to me that I have legitimately never gotten like outwardly mad at him, and he is still like so now at this stage at like four. He's like really worried that I'll be mad at him, and I'm like, where is that coming from? And he's like, I'll be punished. I was like, you've never been punished in your life. You will never be punished in your life. Like by me, what, where is this coming from? I can't imagine if I wasn't, and I have to talk to him over and over again and be like, mommy is not mad at you. You peed on the floor. There's a song in one of this show that we watched and it's like, everybody makes mistakes and it's all right. And I like sing him the song, but it's really sad and also just blows my mind that like his little human body brain is like somehow creating that story for a second. It doesn't last longer than that, but, and then he's like, okay, everybody makes makes mistakes. It's okay. But I'm just like, where did that, where does that come from? And one of the things that I wanted to read about was, or to, to point out was absolutely in, in psychology today, I was reading it. Parents can influence attachment, security. It's also clear that other factors, including genetics, play a formative role. I, which I find like right, but like how? I guess. Well, I well, guess it that's goes back my to ther- ancestral trauma. And, yeah, like yeah. I mean, when I, you know, said to my, you know, therapist, I was like, it, that, it's mind-boggling to think that this was like had happened by eighteen months. She's like. Honestly, she's like, it's happening in the womb. Like, it, it, like, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Think about people, you know, like you're, you're not just sharing, you know, like a home, like they're feeling everything, you know, like, and all of that. And I'm like, that's so everything. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's been interesting to think about, like, you know, with my mom, as I tried to, I think, because the thing is, is like my, I, there's no one I love more than my mom, but also there's no one that makes me more insane than my mom. But, um, as I try, I think to let go of a lot of my own past, because I don't think it's serving me at this point. It also, also softens me with my mom and it helps me better understand her And the last time I was out and spent a lot of time with her, I asked her, I was like, you know how you sort of like go away when you're upset? And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I was like, when did you start doing that? And she's like, oh, God, I don't know. She's like, I was firmly doing it by the time I was eight. And I mentioned it to my therapist, and she was like, well, then that means she was doing it before the age of five. You know, like, if she can remember it at eight, that means it had been going on for a long time, you know? And I was like, that's fascinating that that coping skill because it's also like a kind of cool thing about my mom like if you fuck up in a big way my mom's also never gonna bring it up again like that's one good thing about someone who's a little you know kind of closed down she's also not gonna revisit it which is kind of (laughs) cool and I think it's like been all it's like been interesting to 
for me to think about like, okay, maybe my parents are the point of origin, but how has this influenced like our family dynamic? Like something about hearing my mom starting this at, you know, like hearing her coping like strategies and survival mechanisms that began so young, like it's made me be less, I think, obsessed and in love with my own and made me take a greater understanding of what my own family's maybe trauma is and pain you know like it I think as a white person I I shy away sometimes from intergenerational trauma because I'm like uh, like do I have it and then I'm like of course we do everybody does anyone who has ancestors does but you know I don't want to take up too too much space in that conversation but when I yeah. do think of it in looking at my own family personally I'm like whoa yeah well you don't have to do it on social media but you got to do it because I, I was just with my aunt this weekend and she was like she's the only one in my family who will talk about I mean Maybe I haven't asked my mom enough, but my mom doesn't really like to talk about her past, but my aunt is a lawyer and she loves, she's so inquisitive. She's been asking questions all her life about our family and about where we come from. And on both sides of my family, both parents of my mom's were, I don't want to say abandoned in some ways, but like had, had to be detached from their parents. My grandfather was sent to an orphanage after so his dad died and his mom could not afford to keep her two children i mean like horrific horrific so she sends my grandfather to an orphanage on i think it was on the upper west side anyway not not necessarily important but kind of interesting because that's where like i landed the first you know year of being in new york and it's just who you didn't you don't even know what's swirling around you i had no idea that my family whatever yeah so so he and then she got him back but it had been years so imagine you're with your mom then you then your dad dies then you have to leave your mom to go into an orphanage you come back a teenager i mean how was he going to be a good father which he was not he was angry and treated my mom off like in an awful manner and you know I'm sh- maybe there were good things but I've never heard any so that's her father then her mother mom when she was pregnant with my grandmother her husband died Buh. then she went back to Germany to like get something or figure tie up some loose ends and while she was there her sister and so my mom or my grandmother was back in the states or wait no other way around my grandmother was in germany my great grandmother went to the states her sister while she was in the states convinced her that there was no life for her in germany so my grandmother and my grandfather are there for i think years without her imagine she's like be right back just going to the states for a minute and doesn't come back for years i mean so yes yeah i I mean it's like part of me is like i don't want to judge because i'm like what the fuck would i have done you know but then i'm also like how did we not as a society go like this is gonna have repercussions like this is we still don't do that we still let children i will get so heated about this and i'm sorry (laughs) if you've done this i'm not judging you but i but i believe the practice is cruel my personally i find it so upsetting that one of our ways of parenting newborns is to let them cry it out i think it's sick i think it's sad and I don't understand how people don't see how that shuts babies down of of course they're going to figure it out eventually but why there is another way and I'm not saying that everybody should be having a family bed that's not what I'm saying I understand that there are so many different ways to parent and it's not for me to 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 judge however we have a so many adults who are so 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 disconnected and detached and you don't think anything, any of that has to do with how they were raised as infants? Of course it does. Like, if you train a baby to be okay alone, they're going to be okay alone, 
quote, quote, you know? Yeah. And that does not, is not helpful. I'm not saying just, you know, if, if you were left in a crib, you will not like, I'm sure I was, you know, I know I was left in a crib. I, I, I don't, my mom didn't breastfeed. It's not, I'm, I'm okay. But I'm just saying there are things that I really believe we do as a culture and a society that are so damaging and we just act as if they're normal. We send children away well before they're ready, I think. I agree. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to say something. What? It's a little bit spicy. But okay. a lot of my friends also, too, like their kids that I'm, I'm sort of like, this feels a bit like a gamble of whether or not these are going to be very, very spoiled, entitled children. That some of the, the like trends now uh, like some of it feels super positive and like such a departure from how oh, we I were raised fully agree with and you. i'm like thank fucking god but then i have friends that i don't know that they've ever said no to their children or no is also a bit of a joke well they'll say no but the child still always gets their way and i'm like isn't there a difference between like emotional neglect and like free for all i don't see a lot of nuance to be honest with like modern parenting and i'm just sort of like I mean, like all of it seems overwhelming and like a lot of work and I'm glad that I'm maybe going to age out of it. So I don't, you know, I'm more, um, not well, judging anybody, one of, real, but one of the real housewives of one of the real housewives just had a baby and she's like 50 something. So like, I don't know, you have have some time to go, Ugh. but well, a couple things to say. I think a huge part of our parents' generation and still now, but definitely our parents and it's trickling down into, I see you know, a lot with like 40 somethings, whatever is the quote work aspect. I'm not denying that there's a, there's a workload when being a mom. I'm not denying that. Of course there is. There's many hours of labor, many, many. However, if that becomes the focus, then so many of the emotional needs and the physical needs of a kid are not met because there's this high, 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 high importance placed on just, I, I feel like it's this thought pattern that a lot of people had back in the day and probably still do of like, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I have to, you know, just do whatever I can to make it easier on myself. Great. But in that you are neglecting your child. You just are, you just are. It's, there's no way not to, because you're so focused on yourself that you're, and looking at this person as a job that there's no way for you to really see what they need fully. I don't think. So I feel like there's a happy medium for that as well. You can not, you can give yourself this, you know, kind of, talk about yes this is shit man this is a lot of responsibility and it's hard and whatever you want to say to yourself there's no wrong emotion however if that's the focus I really think kids suffer and I think a lot of our generation did suffer because of that absolutely I mean I think the problem with a lot of parents or a lot of people our generation is parents misunderstood like what the assignment the assignment was. yeah, yeah. Totally. where they were like oh you're supposed to do you know and in so a friend of mine Nick Werber is he he's a belonging coach um but does he's focused in family constellations and he had done a post on Instagram about uh, how to know if your parents were emotionally neglected. And he's like, um, I've been going back and reflecting on the book, Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. There's a part of it where it talks about how the primary goal of parenting up until the 60s in the U.S. was obedience. Good parenting Mm -hmm. was seen as the ability to mold children into behaving properly. Teaching them that the children should be seen and not heard. They should not act out, especially in public, or be emotional was the dominant belief system. 60 years later, we see the effects of this way of parenting. 
living in a household that only focuses on obedience leaves children and later adults struggling to manage or understand their internal emotional world. A household that values obedience over anything else means everything's all right as long as you're not being too loud. Emotions are immature and or a form of acting out. You're spoiled or bratty if you cry too much. Mm -hmm. Children's Mm -hmm. problems are insignificant compared to the Mm -hmm. parents' problems. That, I would say, that's a Huge, huge one, huge, huge totally. thing in my household growing up. Like, and so I was when I. Um, here's what I was trying to find earlier about the the how does your attachment style develop? The anxious, preoccupied attachment style, referred to as ambivalent in children is typically formed during the formative period in a child's life, the first 18 months, as a response to the child's relationship with their primary caregiver. It is believed that this attachment style forms from the child's perception of how their caregivers responded to their needs. In their understanding, they perceive their caregiver as neglecting their needs. However, it's important to understand that these caregivers Givers likely do not intentionally neglect their child's wants and needs, but instead that they that the child understood their actions in this way. And that kind of fucked me up as well, because I'm like, I mean, not that I think my parents intentionally did it, but I was like, oh, my God, this thing that feels like it really like has dominated my life was like all just a misunderstanding yeah, yeah right like, totally because totally. A, you know a fucking baby couldn't say like y'all are sort of not doing this right you know like for me <laughs> like oh this isn't working for me yeah hi when i cry i want you you know like because I, I i mean my mom like the, the things i love the most about myself like directly come from my mom but it we are hugely different people so it's also to just like like so funny to me you know like my mom's like emotions are gross i want nothing to do with them and i'm like i love emotions how could we have more so it's like also hilarious just to think of my poor mom like trying to like figure anything out about motherhood you know and gets this like perfect storm of two water sign children's for uh, for her uh, Aquarius sign. But anyway, consider a situation where a child understands that their caregiver is leaving for a few days. The child responds by becoming clingy and upset because they're going to miss their caregiver. However, if the caregiver was to misinterpret their child's behaviors as an attention seeking, and instead of, this is my childhood. This This is my fucking heart. A hundred percent my childhood. I like, and instead of cuddling and soothing them that they will be home soon, they punish them by refusing to give them affection. In this case, the caregiver is misattuned to the child's cues and the child responds by thinking they're not going to take care of my needs. So I need to try harder. If I persist, the other person will understand what I want and they will take care of me. And then that started a cycle with both my parents that they didn't like me because I tried to please them and they thought I was weak. Yeah, yeah. Lots to unpack, Nina. Lots to unpack. This has been one of those topics that I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do attachment. And it was like, oh, cool. It's going to be an excavation of my psyche. Wonderful. Literally. How do you think you became secure? Yeah, tell us. It's a funny question. <laughs> I don't think all of it was healthy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had so much positive reinforcement from my parents and there was a lot that was done. There was a lot that was done right, well-ish, I'll say. But well, light. they didn't <laughs> They, there wasn't room for my emotions, that's for sure. And so I just started taking care of myself. I, and that became really, really messy for me. And, you know, at points in my life, because I, I thought I was taking care of myself, but what I was really doing was seeking it, you know, in other people, especially in male relationships and just attaching to them. And what I was, when I was reading the attachment uh, attached book, it was talking about what, 
I guess it was, um, I can't remember which, which style, but, oh, this is what I wanted to, one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, protest behavior. Do you know about that? Ah, mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So if essentially back in ye olden days, prehistoric times, what was what's built into us in our DNA is that you stay close to your loved ones. It was, yeah. it's, it's a matter of life and death, right? So it, our systems developed to treat this as a necessity, right? Like that is just, again, part of who we are, no matter who raises us. That's why there's this kind of like animal. Oh my God. I'll tell you about the playground thing. We, when we went to a, <laughs> a playground in Sag Harbor and Milo, there was like these three girls and they were like, one of them was like, get me more sand. I need more sand. I'm like, it's right. I'm like, it's right underneath you. Like, what are you talking about? You're literally sitting on it, child. You're standing on it, honey. Like lollipops out of their mouth. And one of them was like, she, he's a boy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? Oh yeah. And then one of them, one of the girls was like, he can't play on that. I'm like, oh yes, he can. She's like, my brother's using it. I'm like, no, he's not. He is not using it. He will use this. Anyway, the animal in me and Way felt it too. And you know Way is way, obviously, everybody on this fucking podcast knows he's way more even-tempered than I am. And he was like, I don't give a fuck. I that like I don't care if we have to keep him home till he's fucking like 10, 15. He will not follow people around. He will not like he was like fuck those kids. And I was like thank you. He was he was even more shocked than I was. There was maybe a few cute kids who were like nice, not cute. They were all cute, but they were, you know, some of them are assholes. Sorry, some kids are assholes. Anyway, this like need in me, this animalistic need to take care of my child in those instances is very real, right? Like it's like, I will protect my kid. So similarly, this need to feel close is very real. Now say you're flying. One of the examples they use was like your partner or child is flying overseas or wherever. And you see on the news that a similar flight like went down or is having, you know, serious issues your protest behavior is to be frantically calling every airline, trying to figure out every whatever, trying to figure out where they are, that feeling in your stomach of just like absolute devastation, right? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Anyway, my protest behavior was very clear when I was a teenager. I, you know, I, I wanted connection so bad, but I didn't know how to ask for it. So I would... I think I would push, or maybe this wouldn't be defined as protest behavior, but I think it it would. I would throw like these monster kind of tantrums and demand the attention instead of asking for it. Because I just, I wanted, I, I see now I wanted to be close to my parents, but I had no idea how to ask or... And again, maybe this isn't protest behavior. It's just the way that I was insecurely attaching to them, but, or attaching to them because I was insecure. And I really think, I mean, I had attempted suicide a couple times when I was a teenager and I really, you know, obviously there was other stuff going on in my life, but at the time I got really upset when this kid at school said, you know, she did it for attention, which I did not do it for attention. But looking back, I wonder, did I, did I, you know, I did want to die at some point. I don't think you did it for attention because I mean, I think the idea that this whole idea that women do the things idea for was attention, to die. I'm glad I didn't trigger warning yeah. by the way, at the beginning of this episode, but uh, this idea that women do things for attention. I mean, like do people, well, do he's things? a, he's a fucking investment banker now, obviously who like has, I mean, you know, we hate him for 20 something year old loser. Yeah. Like we hate him for multiple reasons, but of course I think this idea though, that people, this is something I find interesting in general, both like with, how we treat women of this idea of like they're seeking attention. Like when people do 
things that we know full well come from pain <laughs> that like of course oh, yes because the attention of a suicide well, attempt is so positive and wonderful yeah. you know like and, and, that's and a, the outcome could be death y- you know like yeah the social it's, currency it's that got you was totally. just such yeah, you really. know like you were like Scrooge McDuck swimming through <laughs> you know all this First social all, currency I was popular as fuck it, like, okay I didn't need the attention yeah that <laughs> like I would, I, but for my parents, I bet you wanted to be seen, though. I think, like, yes, from what you said, my yes, yeah, like from what by you said parents. about your parents, like, I feel like it truly was like a cry for help that you 100%. were like, I am drowning, and drowning. y'all are not seeing it, and no, like, you're no, and it and and it only worked for a time, right? And so, yeah, I think how I became secure was I I did a lot of really unhealthy things for for me and I went through a lot of horrible relationships or devastating you know kind of soul crushing bottom I would say I hit rock bottom a lot I I hit rock bottom a lot and I wasn't scared of it so much so that it became too familiar for me right I was talking to a client today and Mm. she's like I'm just somebody who has to hit rock bottom. And I was like, well, what if you weren't, what if you weren't somebody that had to hit rock bottom? And that's a bit like what my therapist was saying to me. Like, what if you, well, she was challenging me with that of what if you weren't afraid of connection? You know, it's like, exactly. It's like, totally. You have to literally entertain that idea to even remotely open possibilities, you know? Yes. And so I, I got really sick of, being at the bottom all the time and feeling so drained and exhausted and like shit about myself. And I I honestly just started to really ask myself very uncomfortable questions. I think a pivotal time for me, which I've obviously talked about was facing my loneliness in a very dramatic way. Cause I can't. Yeah, girl. You're being mean. She's acting innocent. Like she's just telling a story. It's me. I am. I'm just telling a story. But she's it's not. not. I am, well, I'm. <laughs> she is. You know, she is. She as is. my friend who was I'm, just here was like, "You planted the seed in my whole car ride home for three and a half hours." I'm just thinking about that thing you said. I was like, Anna said that I do that too. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, but I was so afraid of being alone because I had never admitted to myself that that's how I felt in my family. You know, I because I had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for that gut punch. Oh, God. <laughs> Just going to mute my uh, mic and go have a quick uh, weep. No, no, but yeah. Yeah. I you were gonna, for real. I thought, for real. Said, we, I thought you said we, but <laughs> I just don't on the floor, but it's okay if you do. Um, I, you know, I really had never even entertained the thought that I felt alone in my home. And yeah. When I did, even though, to be honest, this is the first time I've said those words like out loud, you know, in that way. But I have been working with that idea for many years now and treating myself really. I, I don't, you know, like to use buzzwords and things and, you know, reparenting and inner child work. Like I believe in all of them very much, but I would I would say that so much of it was really having conversations with myself and, you know, treating myself in a, in a very gentle way as I navigated all this shit of, okay, yeah, your parents are, you know, pretty great on paper. And I think a lot of people would be very happy to be part of your family. However, there was a lot of shit that went down and just because you didn't grow up in poverty or have, you know, certain types of abuse doesn't mean that you, your experience isn't valid. It is valid. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about little trauma either. We had, I had big drama, not that it matters at this point I, to anybody. It's like you, whatever you feel is, is what you feel, you know? I mean, so my child is going to grow up, oh, please God, whoever, I hope his childhood has little to no trauma, big trauma. But does that mean that his experience 
will not be valid if, if and when he says, I felt like this about this or I felt like that about that. Something really fascinating that I found out this weekend from my aunt is that when she, which made me have a lot of compassion for my mom. In that moment, I was like, okay, okay. She said that whenever they would bring up something to my grandmother about a feeling they had that was not, you know, nice or favorable to her. Yeah. She would be like, I guess I'm a terrible mom, blah, blah, blah. And make them, you know, feel really bad about it. And there was just no opening for that. And I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. And that doesn't mean I don't have feelings, but it, it did come from somewhere and it is inherited and it, it, and it, you have to work your ass off. There is no easy way. And I know that you are such a hard worker, but I really do think that this is a part of your life. The love stuff and the, you know, emotion, you love emotions, but do you remember the first time I told you I loved you? (laughs) Yeah, I do. And I remember exactly. And often when I want to express like things like I, that's when I feel like a robot. You know, like yes. it's it, that's when you are like a robot. It's true. And I, and I know it. And it's funny. I see my own fucking mother do it. And I'm like, what is that? And I think for me, like what's been interesting about all this is realizing I like I think like the breakthrough for me about this was like. It's not about love, intimacy, or attachment, which, like, that was all where I had been, like, trauma, like, all of that. I'm like, it's about connection. Yes. I was like, oh, like, it's connection that scares me. It's not, which is, like, cuckoo crazy town. Because, like, when you were, the part of, like, the gut punch about the loneliness thing is, like, I also think, like, you're an only child. Like, I'm sure, even as a little kid, like, you had thought about, like, loneliness. Like, I'm sure it's something you thought you knew. You know, like, when, like, abandonment shit comes out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that well. Like, my father died when I was young. You know, like, but but it's, like, one thing to sort of know, like, this is in the picture. It's another thing to really have it click into place. Well, you know? exactly in in your body. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes, because exactly what you're saying, and I think that was a, this is what part of why I'm such a huge proponent, and why I started, you know, making movement my, a big part of my career, or started my career that way, was because that's what my that's what the bridge was for me. I was like, it it didn't work for me to think about it or talk about it a lot. It, it was fine and it, and it's helpful and it, you know, it's necessary, but I was really missing the body component and that is where so much of my sadness is and was stored. And now I know exactly where it is. You know, there are things obviously that will always surprise me and I never want to stop growing. But when I started to get actually secure is when I slowed down enough to listen to what God my body damn it, is you actually and Chris, saying to me. You and Christina are talking again and it's so mean because <laughs> once again, like last night, she's like, this is why I always like this is why I keep telling you to slow down. This is, yes. you know, you have to you literally have to. You are someone that like, you know. Think about how much information you take in on a regular basis, right? Like even if you're relaxing, you're taking in information 24 seven. Yeah, I know. I send you screenshots. I know you can see every tab I have open on there. <laughs> I know. I know I set myself up, but yeah, yeah it's true. And I, I mean, and that's something I think it's been really wild to be, I mean, f- listen, 40s are a fucking trip, man. You Ooh, you, you spend all this time trying to get somewhere and then you think you sort of arrived somewhere and then it's like surprise motherfucker you were wrong about most of it you know <laughs> and you're like oh it, and, they're, and they're like oh and double surprise motherfucker it's about all the shit from the beginning that like you think you know and yet you don't know any of it really at all you know and that's a cool thing that's been a cool thing but so something I thought about last night as well and was my 
like I've ne- I've never and, and this isn't a brag I've never been suicidal you know and I find that surprising Stop. about myself to be honest you know just because yeah. I've had lots of trauma I've had huge periods of depression like it, it surprises me you know and I it said to my therapist I said my will to survive is so strong and she's like it is like it comes up time and time again she's like because we were talking about my transition from television into to tarot she's like Anna that whole period was insane it was insane she's like you worked a full for real mega job all day and then you went and worked another real job at night and you did that for like two years and then you left like a 20-ish year career to start a new one and she's like you your last day of IFC you went to go work a gig you know as a tarot reader that night she's like there was no space in that transition and I was like my survival shit triggered so strong I said I can remember how it felt like it felt she's like I know there was no space for it I would be like do you want to talk about this or do you have feelings and you there was you could you you couldn't go there you know and I was like how do I she's like the thing you have to understand about your survival stuff is it's always like when you feel things it's gonna fire to try to seek a solution and it's on you to build up your ability to be patient, to know what is just you keeping yourself in action and what is actually a solution. I, I don't I remember sitting in alone and having no friends where I was in Mexico and having no connection to anybody there except for my boss and being like you are I didn't go there to party like that's not what I was there for a lot of people did and that's totally up to them I didn't want to be distracted I was like I came here to fucking work you know I like I was so that was when I actually was the first time I was disciplined in my entire fucking life in a real way was when I went there and I was like I wasn't I wasn't swayed by anything I didn't feel like I needed to be anywhere else I was like you will sit here and I would sit in the studio sometimes for like 12 hours and obviously this is not available to a lot of people however I moved there I had zero I had like zero dollars I think I had like maybe I had a couple thousand dollars but I was severely in debt and like I was just like fuck it I'll figure it out and I did thank god but anyway I wasn't you know writing like a privileged wave there not that that negates any of the work either for anybody but my point is that I took the opportunity I needed to have it and I was so scared and I was really sad a lot of the time but I was like you are if you don't break these cycles like you are never going to get out alive like you are going to be constantly served the same shit over and over again. And it was the first time I actually took responsibility for like, yeah, I wasn't calling it attachment styles, but I realized how I played such a role in these relationships that I was having or these feelings or these, you know, I was, I was messy. I was messy. I was way overly emotional. I was super anxious. I would like something they talk about in the book, like, you know, calling or, or not, this is something that got me not making plans with your friends just in case like the person decides to make plans with you. Like, that's how I was. I was like, okay, well there's a possibility that what, like that this person could choose me and give me something that I need, even though that was never going to happen. And I would abandon myself all the time. Yeah. So it's really uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable and really hard, but the only, I, like I said, I, I can't believe I got secure, but I also am like, yes, I do feel that way. You know, Be, I trust my partner. Like I know that he's there to support me. I know I'm there to support him. Even when like things drive me crazy, we got into like a little, some tiff last night and I was like, and I wasn't on my best behavior. <laughs> 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 You're 
know, like full disclosure, I um, wasn't on my best behavior. He said something very gently about like how he fell, and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I hear you. I honor you. And then I walked downstairs to get something from the freezer, and then promptly found him in the playroom, and was like, you know what? And he was like, what the fuck? We are just having like he's like uh, I'm literally just we just had a nice conversation and then like you come in like a bat out of hell, and he he was like obviously something was triggered and I was like stop saying that to me okay I'm not triggered well when you're triggered there's nothing more aggravating than someone saying no exactly and he wasn't being condescending but he no I was like there's no winning but if he says that one more time I'm literally gonna freaking blow Mm -hmm. a gasket. Like trigger. I'm like, I'm not fucking triggered. I'm angry. And then I, I and then I woke up this morning and I was like moving and I listen what I heard. Listen to what I heard. It was so annoying when I was doing yoga and being quiet with my body. <laughs> I heard apologize. <laughs> Ugh. And I was and like, were you Fuck like you betrayal? <laughs> betrayal. I was like, well, fuck off. But you know what? Okay, I'm gonna. And like, I was triggered. Obviously. I don't know what, why, or what that's about. I haven't really thought enough about it yet. But my point is that if that had happened in a past relationship, I realize how safe I feel. Sometimes too safe, probably for his for his own good, <laughs> because I, I would make sure that I that maybe I would fight, but I would always be the one to try to fix it. I would always be the one. Like, who was like, I'm sorry, is everything okay? Are you okay? Am I okay? Are we okay? Like, const, and I did that with my parents my entire life. It was like, is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? Nobody being like, are you? Yeah. Are you? And my husband, even though I was a total fucking asshole last night, like, I hope you're listening, even though you're probably not. I, he walked up this morning and was like, and kissed me on the forehead and was like, you okay? Even last night, he kissed me goodnight. And I was like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Bye, bro. <laughs> bye. See you later. Or maybe not, because I'll be asleep. Pretending to be asleep. Um, but anyway, yeah. The sec- it was messy to secure. But I'm happy to be here. I hope I stay for a while. So... And I, th- I'll double check with my brother, but I think he'll be okay with me mentioning this because he knows I have brought it up in the pod, so I'm going to bring it up again. When everything came crashing down with my brother and it became code red to get him help, I, the 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 beautiful thing about addiction is it, it does it gives an opportunity to go like addicts aren't created in isolation. And I believe that. And I don't just believe that because it suits my family stuff, but I believe it just because I, 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 addicts, you're using whatever to regulate it, you know, your nervous system. And so something has caused the need for that to happen. So I don't think addicts are bad people or whatever. It's a disease. And I think it is created, you know, like in family structures, I think it benefits everybody to look at what's up versus just focusing on the person who's struggling. So when all of that was going on, it made me realize that truly ever since my dad had died, I had felt this governing, it was unspoken. I I did not realize it. I had felt this desire to like heal, fix my family. And obviously I cannot do that you know like i mean i but i had no idea that that was my north star that that was such a huge and i only really realized that like a year and a half ago like or i guess this fall it'll be two years you know so that what are we doing for the anniversary (laughs) um not (laughs) drugs um so (laughs) I think for me, in a way, it's like that secure four years ago was probably false in a way, you know, like, or maybe in that moment, but it was almost like I maybe got to enjoy that like brief reprieve (laughs) before I was going to have to like look at some more shit, you know, and which is kind, which is kind and what we need. We can't always be diving into the like deep, dark unknown or 
yeah. having epiphanies. And that's yeah. why I think people stop their therapy a lot or whatever they choose work because they, we, there will be days that you show up to do whatever work you do and you're like, I don't know, you know, yeah, you're whatever. Like, why do I same shit, different day. Yeah. Why do I have to pay but, $200 for that? Yeah. But it's like, you got to keep going. You got to, I mean, if, if you want something to, to break again, I obviously believe very much in like good therapists, but there are other ways if you, you know, if that doesn't resonate with you, but anything you have to keep showing up, anything and everything that you want to make a difference, you have to keep showing up. Yeah. Cause I think anywhere you're not getting where you want to go. You know, I, if I'm really honest about it and I think about that period of time, even when I got the secure, like, it's not like I was, it's not like my love life was all that different. You know what I mean? Like the behavior was still there. The stuff was still there, you know, like the block was still there. So anywhere I feel like in some ways, even though it's like, I've been a grump about this, it's like, it's, it's given me like this huge gift of, I'm like, Oh, this thing that I'm like so sick of dealing with and figuring out, like part of what has been frustrating for me is I've had no new information, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fucked up and I don't know what to do about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know you're like, what? Yeah. What else? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you should be dating. I know. I don't want to. I don't know why. You know, it's like, I know, I know. Yeah. Like, why are you saying, I don't know. It's like, like, you know, and it's like, I do feel like I've been given this huge gift of, of insight, you know? So, I just, anyone out there who you feel like there's stuff you just keep slamming your head into a wall, like take breaks, take care of yourself, but like keep going. Like you, you never know when that nugget of information can like change things for you. Amen, girl. And that is attachment, y'all. Yeah. Go get fucked up on attachment. I certainly did. (laughs) Yeah. Go get fucked up on attachment. It was, it was pretty pretty it made me pretty high man yeah Nina was like i am pumped i was like i had an emotional (laughs) breakdown this is gonna be great Uh, i mean it's true though that's like what we're trying to do here you know we just literally want to to talk about it so also just i wanted to do a special shout out before we leave to the church times um Our first hater in print. We think we don't know. We don't understand. (laughs) We don't understand your review. It didn't make sense at all, even though we both speak English. So, yeah. um, But Church Times in the UK, thank you for listening and thank you for hating us. That is one of my my personal goals is to be denounced by the church. So, amen. Yes. Thank you for choosing to review us and be baffled by us and make fun of us for saying like next time when you review, you can just say we don't like women and save everyone a lot of time trying to understand your review. Leave it there. You don't have to use big words. You don't understand how to put in sentences. (laughs) Till next time, everyone. Bye. That's all for today's episode. If you're interested in submitting a topic or want to submit a question for our advice episode, please join our membership community at howtobehumanpod.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, we're guides, not gurus. 